Claudia Bellafato. He's Joe Finn. This is the Blue Wire Studios in Las Vegas. Woo! Woo. Hi, Joe. I'm back. Welcome back. How was the Big Apple? It was good. It was fun. A little tired. The time difference, I'm still not used to it traveling, but it was fun. I got to see um, my Bengals bet lose, but the Jets won, so that was fun. <laughs> yeah, you got to see a great football game. Yes. You're doing Monday Night Football pregame shows in New York. I was dropping some betting knowledge on the New York folks. As you do. As I do. Yeah. Big time. It went well. It's good to have you back. But yeah, I missed you, Joe. I missed the studio. Happy to be back. Uh, we got a packed show today, Absolutely. so we want to jump right into our victory lap and hold this L. And uh, yeah, the Bengals was definitely an L. We talked about that on Monday. But my victory here, I'm going to go with the prop that hit in the first half. This was the prop that I gave out on that Monday Night Football show, the Giants-Chiefs game. Giants running back Devontae Booker over 17 and a half receiving yards. Locked in by halftime, finished with five receptions for 65 yards, zero sweat. I felt pretty good, especially because that was a public bet that I put out on the New York airwave. So I was very happy with that victory. You know, both of us took running back props, both 17 and a half, both cashed in the first half. Mine was Daryl Williams. He went for six for 61. Uh, again, a sweat-free win. Your boy needed it. But it not did. only that, I'm going to keep my victory lap going because they want us to put out social content, some more picks. Of course, yeah. I did that yesterday, put mm -hmm. out uh, a video with five NBA prop picks. And I went five for five on Wednesday. Wait, did you? I didn't Pat even know that. myself on the Joseph. Back. Oh, my god. Stephen gosh. Curry over five and a half assists. Deontay Murray over six and a half assists. Nikola Jokic over nine and a half rebounds. Al Horford over eight rebounds. Nikola Vucevic under eight and a half, uh, or 18 and a half points. All cashed easily. Go. Five for five on NBA props. And when you get the trolls coming at you, oh, you're always wrong. You're always wrong. Hope you bailed on those picks yesterday because you would have lost some money. He's going to ride this forever. Okay, prop king, go off. It felt good. So you Needed told me it. you're not holding any L this week, right? You're just, you're just going to ride your victories? Well, I mean, I picked the Astros to win the World Series and they you, lost. You just took my L. That was my L. Joe's stealing my thunder. Okay, my L. I'm so L, happy they lost. My God, L. I hate the Astros. <laughs> my L was, yeah, Joe and I both said, I think it was a few episodes ago, before the series started, we both bet the Astros to win the World Series, which I did actually bet. And then immediately turned around and bet the Braves pretty much throughout the whole entire series except for You, like, for became a part of Braves Twitter. <laughs> I You're did. using the official hashtag and I everything. Honestly, I don't know what it is. Like, I hated Houston before. And we said that. Like, no one actually likes Houston unless you're from Houston. Nobody likes Houston. And then as I was watching the games, and then the Braves started looking better and better. Their offense looks better. They're pitching. And I was just like, okay, I'm fully riding this Braves train all the way home, which I did. So I technically made the money back that I bet on the Astros. Screw the Astros. All right, anyways. <laughs> hey, no arguments from me. Yeah, sorry. I had some people, like, on me, some Astros people, like, whatever, tr trying to come at me. I'm like, all right, I'm not actually a Braves fan, so relax. The but. good news is that their time in the AL West is over because starting next season, Yezer. it's all about the Mariners. Yes, well, I don't know about that, but all right. Uh, we have a great Thursday show. We're going to go over week nine. We're going to talk a little college football. And, of course, give our winning picks, which you might want to tell Joe because he's on a little heater right now. But instead of saving the best for last, we save the best for first. And that's our interview today with the great former NBA forward and one of Boston's favorites, I can attest, Brian Scalabrini, now Celtics TV analyst at NBC Sports Boston. And he also hosts the starting lineup on Sirius XM NBA radio. So this was a player that I grew up just loving. Maybe I didn't see him in too much action on the court, but he was a very lovable player 
to me, but to you, he's something a little different, like even closer. Yeah, that. he's family. Uh, my mm. first cousin married him, so I just call him my cousin. Makes it easier. Um, <laughs> Why not? But I've known Brian for a long time. I've known Brian since he was at Highline Community College, then he went to USC, second round pick, and obviously his entire career. I've got pictures of us at, at Key Arena, um, you know, after the Nets would play the Sonics. Um, and then my, my favorite story of all time, and I've got a little show and tell here. Show and tell. Here we go. Of this this signed Ray Allen shoe. It's this personal shoe. It's got Ray stitched in the back. My prized possession. Uh, because when I was a sophomore in college, we had a thing called interterm. It was like a first semester, second semester, and like a January term. Um, and during that month, I went to Boston, went to a game, went to practice. Um, and he brought me out to the court um, of the practice facility, doing different bets, shooting around. And Ray Allen came out. I was in the middle of, I had to make eight out of 10 free throws. That was the bet. And I was, I think I was six for, or four for six. I had to make the last four in a row to win. Ray comes out and, and Brian's situates him right next to me. He's like, hey, Ray, I got a Seattle guy. And Ray Allen is my hero, my absolute favorite player of all time. Um, and I am just sweating bullets. It was the craziest thing of all time. And then afterwards he goes, how do I get in on this? And Brian's in a little three-point contest, big handicap. I had a full minute. He had 30 seconds, whoever made the most wins, and I won. So wow. um, that was pretty great. But yeah, let's bring him in. Without further ado, let's bring my guy in, Mr. Brian Scalabrini. Brian, what's up, brother? It's so good to oh, see man. your Ooh, smiling clock, face, man. <laughs> you deserve it. How are we doing? It's good to see you, man. I mean, we're not actually seeing each other. Like, I don't call this real communication. Like, this is Zoom or whatever our platform is right here. But it's, better it's than good nothing. to catch up. Yeah, there we <laughs> go. It is good. There we go. Brian, Joe just had this story, and you can see with the, the shoe out here, he's he's not denying this at all. But I'm denying it because I just feel like this story doesn't make sense. Did he really beat Ray Allen in a three-point contest? I'm calling BS here. Yeah. I mean, he <laughs> Question did. mark? We were at the gym. <laughs> now, I, the, the seriousness of Ray Allen during this time, that is to be questioned. But mm. one, thing, there and, it one, is. Thing, one thing about Joe like, he's a level-up guy. And I'm not I, – I would love to sit here and destroy the kid, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what Please I do. do. <laughs> and I love, like, even with my friends, like, I just bust balls, like, you know, bust chops, whatever you want to say, right? But with Joe, I have to admit, there's been countless times where I have tested him to the limits, wanting him to fail, because that's what I do, right? Because you either, you know, you either yeah. survive or, or you die. And – Joe has, I've, I've challenged him a few times, and Joe has leveled up, and that day, and Ray Allen's like like his hero, Seattle baller, and, mm -hmm. and, and Joe grew up, uh, grew up watching Ray, and, but Joe leveled up that day. He was not afraid of the moment, and that's, that was part of the day where I thought like Joe was going to be all right in life. Another time, I gave Joe like a one-minute head start on this mountain that I run up in back where I grew up in Enumclaw, Enumclaw, Washington, and I was fully expecting every time I turned a corner that Joe was going to be sitting there like throwing up and he beat me up the mountain, even with the one minute head start. So I, I got to give him credit. Like to me, Joe fan is a level up type of guy. Okay. And anytime you want to challenge him and expect him to fail or even want him to fail, he's going to figure out a way to get it done. I appreciate you saying wow. that, man. Everyone, whenever I tell him, I, I obviously known Brian a long time. What's he like? You know, he seems like the coolest dude ever. He's the white mamba. What has like, He's a dickhead. And he's like, he's like, he's like the big, he's like the big brother I never had. Like nothing is given. He's competitive as hell. Everything's a bet. I've had to give him real dollars that I didn't have because like I yeah. lost a bet. 
And so I was like, well, I, but I appreciate yeah. about Brian is he, he took me under his wing. He gave me tough love, <laughs> told me not to be a wuss. And I have yeah. some, some great moments, not just this one, but yeah, beating him up the mountain. We've got some good times. Basically, every time yeah. we see each other, it's like, this is a bet. This is a bet. You ain't shit yeah. at that. Whatever. Yeah. And that's how it goes. By the way, it's so funny because people think I'm like the nicest guy and all that. But like, the people really close to me, they know that I'm a competitive asshole. And like, He's like, she said it. Like, the people who really know me, they know I'm a dick. I just am. <laughs> but I just feel, like, in my world, it's one of those things where, like, yesterday I was doing the Celtic game, and my, my director laid into me a little bit, right? And I feel so normal when people get on me. I don't mm. feel normal when people say, and you guys know the business, right? Great job, great job. That was yeah. the greatest thing I've ever seen. Great job, great job, right? It like it gives me the willies, man. I get I get I get wigged out by that kind of stuff. But you're like, hey man, you were a piece of shit today. You gotta step your game up. That like, <laughs> oh, ooh, now I know I gotta get better, you know. So I mean you guys, you guys know when you start this business, yeah. oh, great job. You were great, you were great. Oh, the greatest thing I've ever seen. This is unbelievable. You sure you've never done this before? Like, um, it just wigs me out. <laughs> Brian, that trip we were talking about when I came out to Boston was towards the end of your time. That was like three lifetimes ago for me. You, you had a couple of great years in Chicago after that. Um, do you ever miss hooping? We see that the viral videos every now and again of you just smoking yeah. dudes at 24 hours. high schoolers. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do miss, like, um, so when it comes to NBA, right? Like, when I was a coach of the Golden State Warriors for one year, and I was playing pickup with those guys. And let's just let's use Monday to Friday, right? So on Monday, I was all right. And I really loved hoop. And then on Tuesday, I was just average. By Wednesday and Thursday, as the players were getting bigger, faster, stronger, better, like I was like deteriorating. So once I knew, like, man, my body cannot do this anymore, then it was easy for me to move on from the NBA. But when you ask the question, like, do you still hoop? Absolutely. Like, I'm organizing a pickup game to try to get tomorrow night, maybe on Saturday morning. I love basketball. I love being around basketball. People in my life, if you're going to be close to me, usually it's centered around basketball. One of my best friends in the world is the director of the AAU team. The, another one of my best friends is someone I coach with on my daughter's AAU team. Some of the dudes I hoop with are the dudes that I'll end up seeing at the game. So I just... My whole life, even at the ripe old age of 43, where I can't do it, you know, five days a week or seven days a week, I still love to be around the game. And it's where I still feel the most natural in my life, talking shit in the morning in a <laughs> 8 a.m. run where these younger players, you know, are just kind of going through the motions. And I just have everyone level up by creating some type of controversy, whether I start talking smack to a guy or saying a guy can't play anymore, that you should walk away and never play again. But I do feel the most natural playing basketball. Brian, we've never had this conversation before, and I'm curious to the point in which you feel comfortable saying publicly, and you've probably talked about it on your own shows, what do you make of the toxic breakup of the big three? With, the, with Ray Allen and stuff? Yeah. Was oh, it, yeah. So I wasn't there during that time, but I think a lot of people ignore that Danny Ainge had a deal for O.J. Mayo. Ray Allen for O.J. Mayo was going to ship him off to Memphis. So I, I do think... Like that was a, that was going to happen, and I don't know at the last minute whoever backed out. So once something like that happens, and Danny Ainge was gonna trade Ray Allen for OJ Mayo, and it got to a point where it's like, like this is like was really getting close. Then I don't blame Ray Allen for deciding to go to Miami. Maybe the way. 
that he handled it. Maybe he should have hit, you know, KG and Paul Pierce with a text message or something like that. Say, listen, man, like Danny almost traded me, so I don't feel comfortable here anymore. I'm going to go and join up with LeBron. Like, I, I understand, like, the optics of that. But, you know, I, I, I do think, like, players have the right when they're a free agent to do what they want to do. But I would just go back and say, like, I just mentioned you guys talked about – I, I mentioned the championship, but what do I remember? What I remember most is, like, the relationships. I would think that Ray Allen – was close enough to those guys that he would reach out to those guys and, and let them know. And I think that maybe more than a text message, maybe a phone call and be like, listen, man, I'm really sorry, but I think this is what's best for my career. Even though in in the world, you, he, they, he doesn't owe them that. I just think when you go through those wars and you hang a banner, I do think that, you know, like something like that probably should have been said. And you build the brand together too. Like they were the brand of the big three. So yep. yeah. Brian, this year's team is off to a three and five start. Marcus Smart had the, the viral quotes a couple of games ago saying that uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, teams are forcing them to pass. They don't want to pass. Um, what do you make of those quotes, the start, and maybe where this team's ceiling is uh, eight games in? Yeah, so I, I thought they were going to be a lot better. Just not not even if I forget about the offensive side. If I told you Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Robert Williams – you have Dennis Schroeder. All these guys are known to be like really good defensive players. And defensively, they've been awful this year. So I think the problem with the passing is part of it. But if they could defend at a higher level, they, their record would be a lot better. But, you know, like just diving into that, it's probably one of those things that Marcus could have kept in-house. But, you know, it, it definitely is not the wrong message. Uh, Ime Doka has been saying the same thing from the start. Now, there's a, there's a big difference. Like in the NBA – there's there's black, white, and there's gray. And most things are gray. Like, they don't want to pass. It's not actually actually accurate, right? I don't think – and they can – and they and Jason Tatum, I think he passes the ball like seven, 77 times a game. That's a lot of passes for a guy who, quote-unquote, doesn't want to pass. But I think the challenge is both those guys – and I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what it's like to be this way. But both those guys, when they get downhill, when they're in attack mode, they're not great at seeing the floor. They're great at seeing angles. And they're great at seeing the rim and how they can score or the shot that they need to get into. But they're not great at just, like, attacking and then kicking out to wide-open shooters. They're good at it. They're good because they're, I mean, they're superstar players. They handle the ball. They have an amazing skill set. But they're not great at it. But to be where they want to be, let's call Jason Tatum a top-10 player in the NBA. And he wants to be a top-5 player. And let's call Jalen Brown a top-15 player. Well, to be that... You have to be able to get downhill and make plays. And when they get to that point, then they're going to be top five, top 10, top 15, whatever you, you want to label them. But until then, you can't be that type of player and average two and a half assists a night or three and a half assists a night. You've got to be up there five and a half, six and a half, seven assists a night if you're going to be considered an elite player. So I do think that those guys need to get better at that. And I do think with the emphasis of doing it, they will. But I probably – agree with Marcus Smart in his assessment, but I don't necessarily think it should be aired out to the media when you when you get outscored in the fourth quarter, 39 to 11. From a player's perspective, you just mentioned he probably should have kept that in-house. How does that affect the locker room? Is it a big impact, or what's kind of the mood after that? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how anybody handles that type of stuff. You know, like, it could linger, it could not. Like, they played fine against Orlando. They have Miami tonight. I, I just... I'm not sure. Like, everybody is different, just like in, in your walk of life, right? We can't just, like, look at how uh, – remember I just told you at the beginning of this, right, and we talked about the producers and 
everything is great. You were so great. Like, I don't respond to that. I, I, when I was a rookie, Jason Kidd used to, I mean, evil, evil eyes stare, burn a hole right through me. But it was good for me. That's exactly what I like. It's what I needed. So, yeah, I mean, I think you have to kind of look at it like every single person will handle it differently. Maybe those guys will respond and maybe the message will get through. I used this analogy the other day. Like Joe knows my wife, Kristen, but my wife will, will get on me and be like, Brian, this is what you did and I don't like it. You better be better, right? You know, in a in, you know, 30,000 foot view, right? But I would say at the time, I'm not necessarily 100% receptive at the time. And I'm like, I'm not trying to hear that. I'm going to head to the gym. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go play pickup, play some basketball. And then maybe when I get back or maybe a day later or two days later, the message always gets through. It always gets through. I, at least with my wife doing that to me, I know exactly where she stands. And I, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't like my producers to tell me exactly what's up or my director or my teammates, but then holding my wife saying, no, just sugarcoat everything. So for me, everything eventually gets through. The message gets through. And then I have to respect, I have to become better on the other side of that. So I'm hoping that Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, or whoever is in that locker room, that message comes through and they might not like it at the time. We found out they had a players only meeting and, and during that meeting it got really emotional but like three games later, a week later, maybe the message is getting through that we all need to be better. And same with Marcus Smart. He needs to be better. He played fantastic last night against Orlando. And tonight they have the Miami Heat. He's got to do the same thing. So we'll see what happens. Brian, before we let you go, just kind of, again, you, you mentioned 30,000-foot view. Right now the, the Bulls and Knicks are playing great basketball. They're towards the top of the East standings out of the gate. And then in, on the West, the Warriors are 6-1. and one. Clay Thompson hasn't returned yet. Are they the favorites uh, in the West. Are you taking the Bulls and Knicks seriously in the East? And then in the Warriors, are they the favorite for you in the West? So, so when you say take them seriously, like I think they're going to the finals? Like no. you think they could be in the mix, correct? Yeah. Are they no, Are they going to no, be I a factor in the postseason? I, I don't think. I think both those teams will lose in the first round. But um, yep. the Warriors are legit. Like if you were a betting guy, and I'm sure you guys are, like see win bet everywhere <laughs> on my screen right now. <laughs> The Warriors are a good bet. Steph Curry's a good bet. OG Ananobi is a good bet for most improved. Tyler Hero's a good bet for sixth man of the year. Uh, Eric Spolster's a great bet for coach of the year. The Miami Heat, I think they're 6-1 to one right now at going to the NBA Finals. I think uh, that would be a phenomenal bet. I think they're the best team in the NBA. And if you can get them for, with good odds on winning a championship, I would do that. And um, like even if you want to throw... You know, Miami, uh, Golden State parlay, I think you can get good numbers on that because those teams right now, with the NBA and the physicality increasing, they're they're a physical team and they move the ball so well that I think it can negate all that physicality. So, listen, it's tough to beat Brooklyn and James Harden, and, and we don't know what's going on with Kyrie Irving, but Miami Heat, to me, the best team in the Eastern Conference. Well, was that a parlay mention I heard? A little parlay action? All right, Brian. Sounds like he dabbles. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like he dabbles a little well, bit. Well, then we got to hear it. Of course. I, I might tail you here. Who's your MVP and finals pick if you had to lock Official. it in right now? Yeah. Official. You mean who do I think is going to do it? MVP and finals. Who do you think is going to do it? Uh, I think Steph Curry is going to win the MVP. I thought that at the beginning of the year. Mm. I think there was good odds on Steph Curry. Um, Jokic could sneak on people because but a lot of people don't want to get – voter fatigue so maybe stay away from Jokic even though great odds right now when his on court off court is insanely good versus the Denver Nuggets actually suck when he's off the court um finals I am going with Miami and Golden State 
I do think that those guys are going to figure out. I think Golden State Warriors are going to make a trade in the near future for some of their young guys because they're better than previously thought, which means that they're probably one piece away from being special. And who wins that series? Oh, man. That is. Let me think about this. Uh, I'll say, I'll say it's, I say Clay Thompson comes back. I love Clay Thompson. He comes back. He comes back. You know, 90% of what he was, and the Warriors don't lose. It sounds outlandish right now. <laughs> they don't lose. Uh, so don't, you're really trying like, to get around get around this here. I don't like picking finals because it's like I like I don't like picking winners. I like picking who goes. Mm-hmm. I think that's a like last year, Phoenix, there's always good money in a team making it to the finals. But yeah. man, it's really hard to, to pick a winner. Miami's better right now, but I think the Warriors are going to be a much better team by the end of the year. I love it. Brian, thank you so much for the time, man. It's great catching up with you. I appreciate all the insight, uh, dropping all the knowledge, uh, and hopefully we get a chat again soon. Thanks, Brian. Anytime. Okay, I love him even more than I did before, and I loved him. He was like one of my favorite players just personality-wise. Yeah, he's great. The white. No shortage of personality with that guy. Yeah, we need him on again. He's pretty good at betting, too, it sounds like. (laughs) He dabbles. Certainly, maybe even more than dabbles. (laughs) Full on DGen, like all the rest of us. <laughs> all right, Joe, it's time for week nine, tail or fail. We each got two games. We're also going to get to some college as well. My first NFL game is my New England Patriots laying three and a half against the Panthers. The Patriots have won three of the last four, including a big win over the Chargers, which was the best pass defense that they have faced. So that's something I'm really hanging on here. Um, and they won it even with Mac Jones not having the best game. At one point, he went two of 13 for a stretch in the first half. Uh, Luckily, he's getting a lot of help from the O-line, and he has been accurate other than that game. He's only had one interception in the last three games. And like I mentioned, so the Chargers were a good test in terms of the pass defense, but also an offensive threat. So here now they're facing a good pass defense in the Panthers, but a step down offensively. Sam Darnold, we both said, I don't think he's going to start. Uh, P.J. Walker has been taking all the the, uh, first team reps in the last practice open to media, so not expecting to see it to see Sam Darnold. Even if he was playing, though, I would still take the Patriots here. Uh, The Panthers have one of the worst passing games in the NFL. They've completed a league-low 59% of their passes this season. They rank dead last in the NFL in pass yards per play in the last three games. And I think whoever is under center, if Sam Darnold does play, I don't think he will, uh, they'll be facing pressure because New England is allowing opposing quarterbacks to complete just over 60% of their passes, which is the third lowest in the league. So, Whoever is at quarterback for the Panthers, I am much more confident in Mac Jones and this Patriots team. So I'm laying three and a half. Are you tailing or are you bailing? I'm going to tail. It's probably about time that I buy into the Patriots. I've been a naysayer all season long, and they are much better than expected. But I think the Panthers are terrible, especially offensively. We know that defense has kept that team afloat a bit, but the offense has been in shambles. Christian McCaffrey practice windows opened. I I can't imagine they rush him back um, and have him play this week. Receivers are dropping footballs. Both quarterbacks have been playing terribly. You mentioned the the Patriots and, and what they're allowing in terms of completion percentage for opposing QBs. Well, you know, Sam Donald and, and PJ Walker have both struggled in that department anyway. So I'll tell you here. Um, I my first game is 49ers plus one versus the Cardinals. I like getting them at least at least a small play as the underdog because my gut tells me that Kyler Murray will not play in this game, similarly to where the Cowboys held out Dak Prescott. It's like, okay, if it's a playoff game, they go. But but it's not worth risking your entire season on putting a, an injured quarterback out there. And the Cardinals have Super Bowl aspirations. 
Uh, I do want to give some love to Debo Samuel, who has been absolutely tremendous. Him and Elijah Mitchell have carried this Niners offense uh, throughout this season. Debo Samuel ranks second in receiving yards, um, but first in receiving yards per game because he's already had his bye week. He's at 819. What's more impressive is he's got 3.69 yards per route run. Beyond that, 414 yards after the catch. And beyond that, 9.4 yards after catch per reception. This guy is almost averaging a first down after catching the football on a reception-to-reception basis. He's been an absolute monster. Um, and I do like the Niners here with the assumption, again, that, 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 that Kyler Murray is not playing for the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, I'm staying away from this game, but for the sake of this segment, I think I'm going to have to bail, and I'm probably going to just lean more on the fact that, let's say Kyler Murray's playing. Either way, I just don't think I've seen enough from this team, aside from the players that you just mentioned. Um, their wins, too, and we talk about strength of schedule all the time. I know they, they can't choose who they play, but their really only impressive win was over the Bears. Uh, they lost to the Colts, Cardinals, Seahawks, Packers. They beat the Eagles and Lions, but, I mean, at this point, you know, really, what does that mean? Uh, and the Cardinals rank top five in points scored and points allowed. The 49ers rank among the worst teams in the league in terms of forcing turnovers, so they're not doing that. They're getting penalized all over the place. Um, I think this is a good opportunity for the Cardinals to kind of bounce back. A week ago, we were saying the Cardinals was one of the best teams in the NFL. I don't think, yes, Kyler Murray, of course, is going to be a huge part of this, but I think they can still win this game, especially with everything we've been seeing with backup quarterbacks. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to, to uh, bail here, but who knows? Any given Thursday, any given Sunday. <laughs> it is Thursday, too. But All right, I'm going to go Chargers for my next game, laying two against the Eagles. Eagles, I just mentioned. Uh, Chargers need this win because I think they are too good of a team to lose four games in a row. I just do. Um, I know they have one of the worst run defenses in the NFL, which we just saw against the Patriots. This is an issue, especially because the Eagles are pretty good when it comes to the ground game. However, starting running back Miles Sanders is out. Starting wide receiver Jalen Rieger is questionable, among others. There's no major injuries for the Chargers that I'm super concerned about here. Um, and they've been making a lot of mistakes and dropping passes, which you would think, okay, so then why are you going with them? But I think that this is a good opportunity for them to clean this up. Uh, the Eagles' wins, again, don't impress me much. Their offense may be seeming to click at some points, but their passing offense still ranks 27th in the NFL. And now they're facing a Chargers defense that ranks 5th in passing defense. So I just think the pros are going to outweigh the cons, and, and I'm going to go with the Chargers in the small spread here. I'm going to tell this as well. This is it. The Chargers lose this game. They lose three yeah. in a row. Yeah. I'm off the bandwagon and never betting them or picking them again. This is a gut check game for them because they they are, I, I still believe, it, a better team than New England, and they got embarrassed yeah. for a second year in a row by Bill Belichick. Justin Herbert, two down games in a row. Their passing game, right now, there's nothing vertical. Everything's in tight windows. Uh, to me, it's just a no-brainer. I don't know why they haven't added – Deshaun Jackson yet. He's already in Los Angeles. He just got cut by the Rams. That passing game is far too loaded, and Justin Herbert's far too talented for it to be as struggling and incons as inconsistent as it's been. And again, talk about a gut check game. This defense needs to figure it out because they've been bad for the last two games they've played. That's, it was an embarrassing performance coming out of the bye last week at home against the Patriots. They are the better team uh, going into this one again. Um, and so I will tail them. I'm, I'm with you here, laying chargers in the two points. Mm -hmm. But if they lose this game, I'm out. And yeah. I'm never coming back. <laughs>
I have heard, too, I was talking to my buddy who works for another book, and he said they've been seeing the past few weeks a ton of money come in on the Eagles. So I think this is a little bit of an overreaction in terms of the small spread. It's to, an to interesting game, week. though, because we look at the AFC – and we're like, who's good? Outside of the Bills, who's good? Yeah. And this is the Eagles are not one of the top teams in the NFC. And if they come out and beat the Chargers, then I think you look at who really are the good teams in the AFC, and you're looking at the NFC as a superior conference. Yeah. Uh, my second game, I'm taking the Raiders minus three at the Giants. It has been a tumultuous month for the, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. First, the John Gruden drama. Now with Henry Ruggs, with the tragic incident of him traveling at 156 miles an hour, uh, striking a car, killing an innocent victim, um, and a dog that was in her car. Start for starters, you can't emphasize the, the you know the heartache and that you feel for that family, and and the heartache that's happening inside the Raiders locker room and what they're having to deal with um, from a practical sense. And this is so far down the list in terms of what you think of, obviously from that accident. It still is an impact all the same. Losing Henry Ruggs is huge. Um, he was their top deep threat. He was coming into his own. His chemistry with Derek Carr was tremendous. But this Raiders team has been resilient. They're 2-0 and since the John Gruden incident. Um, three points, I think, is fine because you don't have to worry about the hook. The Giants are an inferior team. While competitive, an inferior team. Yeah. And I think when you look at the constant of Max Crosby, and Yannick Ngakwe on the defensive line. I think you can bank on that. Derek Carr has been tremendous uh, throughout this season. Had it not be, had it not been for guys like Kyler Murray and Tom Brady and even, even Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Derek Carr is worthy of, again, just being in that mix of the conversation at MVP, particularly what he's you know leading this team and what they've overcome. I like them here, even without Henry Ruggs. Um, I'm going to take the Raiders um, in this one against the Giants. Yeah, I'm going to tell you here. Um, I think you said it pretty simply. They're just the better team. And and we talked about this, too. I think it was with Matoy, the trader that we had on a Monday a few weeks ago when the whole Gruden situation went on. And he said that people do bet teams based off of what's going on outside of the stadium, outside, you know, off the field. But we saw that that maybe didn't have the biggest impact. I don't know if this is going to be any different, but I'm not going to put too much weight on that. Um, I just think they're the better team. I think the Giants still have a lot of things they need to figure out. They have some good pieces, and they do look good in spurts, but, like, Joe Judge is still calling weird-ass timeouts. Like, they, they still don't really have everything figured out. Um, Did you see he blamed that loss on Monday night because of the headset's not working? Oh. Like, the NFL better get oh. back to me quick. Oh, He's God. a buffoon. No, man. No, 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 no. Uh, that's definitely not the case. <laughs> but they also have had 10 penalties for 88 yards. They had 10 penalties for 88 yards in that Chiefs game. Um, they also just had 13 players test positive for COVID. I think some of them came back negative. But they're just kind of a mess to me. Um, I think that game against the Chiefs didn't speak too much just because the Chiefs are not playing well at all. So I'm going to tell you here, I'm going Raiders minus three. One stat I want to throw out uh, per pro football focus, Derek Carr leads the NFL with 24 big-time throws. So, again, we used to view this guy as yeah. the game manager, and now he has done such a, a better job of making those, those game-winning plays creating those explosives, pushing the ball downfield, taking risk and trusting, and trusting his playmakers to make plays. And um, that offense has been really fun, even without John Gruden. Yeah, and second most passing yards a game behind the Bucks, which I feel like people aren't realizing, but they are right up there with Tom Brady, or he is, I should say. College football, week 10. Joe, we don't talk enough about college football. I know you love it so much. 
I do love college football. <laughs> so I love the NFL it. more. Right, right, right. But I love college football. Uh, my pick for this week is Mississippi State. I'm going with the dog here, plus five against Arkansas. Identical records here, five and three. But Mississippi is tied for third in the West, three and two in the SEC, and Arkansas is last, one and three. So I'm kind of confused by this line. I feel like it should be flipped, but I'll take it with the plus money. Mississippi State has won three of their last four, one loss to Bama. Uh, they have the fourth best passing offense behind quarterback Will Rogers. He is hitting 75% of his passes right now. He just completed 36 of 39 passes for 344 yards in a win against Kentucky. Their defense has allowed fewer than 300 total yards of offense in three of the last four games. They've averaged 34. They've only allowed 15 points a game in the last three. Arkansas lost three of the last four. They've turned the ball over five times in the last three games. And they're one of the best FBS teams when it comes to the run. So, okay, but Mississippi State is top five in defending the run. So, again, I'm not really sure why I'm getting plus five with Mississippi State, but that is definitely my play this week. I'm going to tell you, I think they've just got the better wins. And if you can get points, I mean, they just beat Kentucky 31-17 at home uh, a week ago. They've got a win against Texas A&M. Uh, I, I don't have great analysis. You just said everything that I think you needed to say. I'm going to tell you, keep this one quick, and, and say that getting five points, even though it's a road team in a conference matchup, I don't think you've seen anything from Arkansas that, that would say that warrants that sort of um, you know, line. So I'm going to tell you and go with Mississippi State. Um, I am going to go for my college pick, Cincinnati minus 23.5 versus Tulsa. Not a big game and necessarily a game that people are going to want to watch this weekend, but Cincinnati, to some, were jobbed in the initial CFP ranking. They're sixth, um, even though they're undefeated at 8-0. and This is a team that's going to be limited in terms of opportunities to impress the committee, and they're going to need help of teams losing in front of them, but they're also going to have to win decisively each and every game. They don't get the benefit of having a narrow loss from here on out. They only have one game left on the schedule against a ranked opponent. That's on November 20th against SMU. So they got to beat the brakes off of everybody. And that includes this Tulsa game. Tulsa's not good. We know that. But 23 and a half feels safe. And, and this isn't a team that it, uh, you worry about at this point of having the backdoor cover, the heartbreaking defeat um, from the betting standpoint, because they're going to be pedal to the metal trying to embarrass teams and showing the committee, hey, we can only play the teams that are on our schedule, but we're blowing them out week after week. Mm -hmm. And so to me, minus 23 and a half, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 21 at halftime and, and they sprint to this cover in the second half and never look back. And it's so weird because college, of course, is a lot different from NFL when it comes to the spreads. Like 25, you would think is high, but then you see Georgia laying almost 40. <laughs> So I'm going to tell you here, uh, Cincinnati, with the number two defense and points allowed facing Tulsa, who you said, they're just not good. 98 scoring offense. So I'm going to tell you pretty simple there as well. Uh, so there you guys go. Two college football picks along with our NFL. But wait, there's more. Before we get to our winning picks, though, got to mention this promo because, Joe, it's pretty crazy. Did you know if you put down $1, you can win one, you can win $100. If any NFL or college team scores, like I had to double read this. So if any college or NFL team scores, you win $100 if you put $1 down. So all of you should be running to your computers and phones to do this because that's a pretty crazy promo. And that's why WinBet is the best book in the whole entire world. That's quite literally free money. <laughs> it's literally free money. Yeah. Unless no one scores, which would be crazy. 
for All the right. weekend. <laughs> Time for winning picks. I'm going to go with tonight's game, and you're also going to go with tonight's game, and we're kind of twinning here. We're both going with a running back receiving. Don't steal my thunder. Just make <laughs> your pick. But I am. So Jets are getting 10 and a half points tonight against the Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis. I'm going with Colts running back Jonathan Taylor over 17 and a half receiving yards. I just mentioned running back receiving. This is the third prop that I'm going with this. this yeah. Okay, here we go. <laughs> this is the third time I'm going with a running back receiving prop. It's hit in the past two, so I'm going with it again. He just had 52 against Tennessee. He put up 116 against the Ravens. He's had three receptions in all but one of the past five games. And the Jets are giving up the most receiving yards to running backs, 79. And they're giving up the fifth highest number of targets to running backs. So I'm feeling pretty good with this one. Uh, like I mentioned, I'm going for three and three here. And so are you, Joe. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm going to go with the other running back, Michael Carter. This one, it's juiced because he's been putting up big numbers at over 37 and a half, but I think that's an attainable goal. Um, he's hit this number in each of his last two games. He's got 23 combined targets over those contests. Last week, Mike White, we know, 405 yards against the Bengals. but Not a single pass traveled more than 15 yards in the air. He is captain checkdown, and I think that's going to continue against a capable Colts defensive line. Here's what's most important. It's not just the, the usage and the targets, but he's also played 70% of snaps in each of the last two weeks. Uh, once this was a running back by committee with Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman and Michael Carter, but now the rookie is completely taking the reins as this team's go-to back. Um, and so I like him to cover uh, and reach 37 and a half receiving yards. Also a little bonus teaser if you're feeling uh, like you want to get in that game. Uh, Ravens pick them, Browns plus eight and a half and Rams minus one and a half. Is a six-point teaser at plus 140 um, is another play I'm going to have over the weekend. If you happen to listen to this on Friday, maybe you missed the props and you want something else, um, there's a little something extra for you as well. So much action today. Look at us, Joe. You know, what a show. It's like you, you, when you lose, you're like, I just want to see the ball go in. And you see the ball go in, and you're like, it, I'm, you're like I can't Let me miss. just hammer every I slate. I can't miss. <laughs> I like that mindset. All right, everyone. That, that was a fun show. Yeah, Brian was great. You're great, Joe. And I'm pretty great, too. That's episode 17. Thanks for listening or watching whatever you did. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday.